my water. Are you guys excited? Man, I'm so excited for the summer. It's going to be awesome. We're starting this new series. It's called Stranger Summer Things. And uh, we're just kind of going with the theme this summer. If, I don't know if you guys are into that, that show, Stranger Things. I'm not, I'm not advocating. I'm not, not advocating. I'm just saying there's a lot of stranger things that happen in our church, especially when you watch it. It's really fun. Um, but it's, it's this movie about these kids who begin to come together and they're these weird kids, uh, the most unlikely kids. And then like, they even have adults that join their gang that starts fighting like this really evil stuff. I'm not going to ruin it for anybody. I'm not going to ruin it. But, uh, but, they, but it creates this unlikely, inclusive family. That's just really, it's a really fun story. And um, what we're talking about this summer is really the family of God, how to become, how to build, how to live into being the family of God. And today, the, this, this sermon, this topic is, is building the inclusive family of God. And um, I just love that our church is a place you can belong before you believe. In fact, if you're new here, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. It's truly is a place you can belong before you believe. It means that you're, we believe everyone's on a journey, and we just want to help you move forward. I love this verse from 1 Timothy 3.15. It says this, I have written this, this is the author Paul, I have written this so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, God's family which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. God's church, his group of individuals, is a family. We live in this individualistic culture where everyone's, you know, it's so easy to just get lost in your own life, in your own individual path, and we have all our devices and technology that, that it's so easy to get lost into your individuality at the expense of being part of a family where you learn to love and be committed and do adventure and life together. And we are designed for community. Um, Jesus came to build the inclusive family of God. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we praise you for today. Would you just, would you speak to our hearts? Would you help us to have a vision, a bigger vision than maybe we've had before of what you're doing with your family. I pray that anybody here who walked into the building knows that they're invited to be part of the family of God. Anybody who walked in here is invited to be building the family of God. Um, thank you, Lord, for including every single one of us. Lord, thank you that you, you give us the option to, to opt in or out. Thank you that you let us choose to love. And God, I just pray that we would be a, a, a church that is constantly living the way of Jesus, inviting people into your life. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I'm just going to jump in because we got some, I think, some cool things, some fun stuff to go over today. But this is really foundational for our church. So at the beginning here, you might hear some principles you've heard us talk about um, before at Whitewater. Um, and I'm talking about why we talk about them. But really, this is something we want to live into. So I'm just going to kind of give you some of the basic principles, and then we're going to jump into Scripture and see how Jesus, uh, how He builds an inclusive community. So um, the first thing starts with Walls, Wells, and my son Wes. Okay, Walls, Wells, and Wes. Um, some ranchers will try to keep cattle contained and safe by building walls and fences to keep them in. And, um, and they're, they're trying to just keep the cattle safe. Some ranchers take a different approach and they will dig a really good well, a watering hole that keeps the cattle there 
by, by their thirst, by their need, by their want. It's two different ways of keeping uh, cattle in a safe location, walls or wells. Um, walls uh, are also found in communities and churches. And I'm going to talk about church, how we build the church and how we participate in the church. There are um, wall-shaped churches. There are well-shaped churches. Now, um, when you are building things off of walls, the primary question a church will ask is who's in and who's out? Who belongs in and who's out? And when you're asking that question, basically what happens is you say, look, you have to behave your way and believe your way into belonging. You have to change who you are and what you believe and what you do so that we will accept you and build a relationship. So the change has to precede the acceptance. Now over here in a well-shaped church community, um, it's different. The, the, the question isn't who's in and who's out, and it's not the, the focus isn't on the wells, and, or excuse me, on the walls, and, and keeping people out, and whether someone should or shouldn't be in. The focus is different. The focus is on the center. It's at the, on the well. It's on the living water. And for Christians, the living water, the well, is Jesus. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. It's his, God's grace. It's His truth. It's reality that's, that is in really all things. It's in, the, it's in the reality around us. It's at the center of, of our universe, of our reality as people. And so Christians who are, are building a church based on wells are, are um, asking the question, who's moving toward the well? Who's moving away? And so faith is a journey that we walk with people on. We're not superior. We might have been a little bit farther down the journey. In some ways, we might be less far. But the point isn't like who's, who's ahead and who's better. The point is we all want to help people move toward the well, towards Jesus. And the farther people move toward him, the more and more their life is transformed. Today, we're going to talk about what happens in some of that transformation that causes tension. Next week, we're going to be talking about the elements of transformation. Now, in a wall-shaped community, you have to behave and believe so that you can belong. In a well-shaped church, you can belong as you learn to believe. Amen? Okay, so that's really simple. Now, just to put this in context, my daughter has recently been learning about how walls versus wells work with her brother, little two-year-old Wes. When he first was around, like let's say a few months ago, she would, she would take him everywhere. She'd say, Wes, come look at my dolls. And you go and you just look. He loved it. He calls her Lella, Lella. He loves it. And he's been learning to talk. And then she'd teach him how to talk. And she'd go, come look at these trucks. You can play with these trucks someday. And he'd just look at them. Come look at my room. She'd look at it. Wouldn't do anything wrong. Look at my bed. And it's amazing. He'd just sit there and watch her play. But now he's hit this stage where he like wants to manhandle and destroy and crush everything in his path. She'll bring him into a room. She's like, look at my bed, look at my room, look at my toys, look at my Legos. And he'll just be like, rah, and just start stomping things, kicking them, playing. Mine, mine. He's learned this word, mine. I don't know if you guys have had kids or nephews or nieces or anything like that. Mine. So Novella now is like, this kid's crazy. I can't handle this. And so she's like, she's actually like been building walls around her play area like if she's playing with her dolls or she's playing with her legos and if she's building the world she's building she'll build a wall first that Wes has to stay out but the thing about walls that i've noticed is that people always like the higher you build a wall the higher people will climb to get in and the higher people will climb to get out 
We've even caught Wes like trying to climb out of his crib, right? Like he's trying to get out of this thing. So walls, they, I, I like having a crib to contain Web, Wes. I like having that for the age he's at, but that's not an adequate solution for a maturing individual. Can you agree? We want people to mature. We don't want to just put like cages around everybody, you know? You know, the solution for the modern world is like cubicles for everyone to keep them separate and safe or whatever. And um, Novella is learning that it's not the best effective thing. Even she'll like shut her door, like that'll be the wall. Like she'll shut her door, you can't come in, Wes. He'll come and be like, la, 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 and he won't stop. Boom, boom, leave me alone, leave me alone. The other day she was out on the porch playing with her cousins who are here on a visit and they're playing and they've got Jenga out and they've got like these other toys and they've got like um, these little like big wheel type of things and they're playing on and Wes is like grabbing them and kicking them and knocking over the Jenga and she runs and she's like, Dad, Wes is so annoying you. He won't be quiet and he's, he's messing up everything and, and could, you, could you make him go away? Because they tried to lock him out of the, the porch but he had found another way in. He like snuck... And they just, they couldn't keep him away. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. You, the child, are now annoyed by somebody getting into your business, destroying your things. No, I think you need to sit in this for a little while, little girl. I've had to deal with this for six years. No, I didn't do that. But, but she was learning, she's learning that the, the walls only work to a certain effect. But she's been learning about wells. Wells are like, what? What are the things they want and the, the deepest desires of the human being, the deepest needs of our heart? And she's learning that. Wes, he says, I want nanny. I want nanny. He says that means I want candy. So she'll like, she's not supposed to, but she'll like find chocolate or candy. And she'll be like, Wes, here, you can have this over here. Or I want my truck. I want my truck. And she'll find his truck and be like, you play over here. And it will draw him away from her world building. Or what's the other one he says? It's a, oh yeah, I want my turtle. He says turtle really good. Turtle, he's got a stuffed animal tur- turtle. She'll give him his, his turtle, but she'll bring it away from me. He'll follow. Or if it's nap time, she sees that mom will take his blanket and a bottle toward, and he'll just follow her. So she's learned the difference between walls and wells. You guys tracking? Let's, walk, let's look and see how Jesus uses this concept. See, a well-shaped community creates an inclusive family. An inclusive family creates an unlikely family. Watch this. As Jesus went on from there, this is always going on from there, he's doing his ministry. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the toll booth. He's a tax collector. And he said to him, come follow me. And he got up and followed him. Isn't it interesting? Jesus, who is like the most amazing, well-digging, inclusive leader in the scriptures, he's when you dig a well, it's always in a life of invitation. We're inviting people. Whether it's from unhealthy, t- toxic behavior, we're inviting them away from that to healthier behavior. We're inviting them to something better or something that they might need or just a vision of something different for their life. We're inviting them to relationship. So Jesus invites Matthew into relationship to follow him. Now, does Matthew believe and know all of who Jesus is at this point? No. Are there, do, you, do we think that everyone in this building right now are at the same place in their faith? Like everybody's like, we're all here in our, like we're all doing pretty good. Do we, do we think that everybody here actually believes in God in this room? I'm willing to bet this from somebody who might be like, you know, and I'm not sure if I have put my faith in Christ yet, or I, I definitely haven't. Is that okay? Well, let's keep reading, see if that's okay. Matthew starts following Jesus, starts his faith journey. While he was reclining, this is Jesus, while he's reclining at the tables in the house, 
Many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. Here's more well digging, more inclusion. And, and it's eating and spending time with sinners. Like tax collectors were not like really, they weren't beloved people back in these days. They worked with the Romans. They were seen as traitors. They made money off their own people. But no one ever accused a tax collector of not being able to throw a good party. Notice that Jesus, he's like, come follow me. And then Jesus, in his inclusion, wasn't just like, let's go to my house. He's like, uh, we're going to Matthew's house. You know, a few chapters later in Luke, the book of Luke, he's like, let's go to Zacchaeus' house. I'm going to your house today. Tax collectors had lots of good parties, right? That's what they were known for. So he's like, he invites people over to his new friend's house to have a party. Um, he's digging a well. There's inclusion. There's relationship happening. There's belonging. Now, um, verse 11 happens. And how many of you guys know that inclusion causes tension? We'll dig into this a little bit more, but inclusion causes tension. We see it right here. When the Pharisees saw this, the re- Pharisees are the religious leaders of the day. They're the ones in power. They're the ones who are the know-it-alls. They're the ones who live their life very obviously religious and righteous. When Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples. Now, just stop there for a moment. Jesus has directly talked with Matthew. He's directly talking with sinners. He he's, has direct relationship with people. Essential, if you're going to dig a well, to draw someone toward Christ, to love people and bring living water to them, that you love them directly. Like you're not just being indirect all the time. Some families, they function indirectly. There's some families that look like there's all this inclusion. They look really healthy, but on the interior, they're fractured and divided. We live in this fractured world. And in our culture, there's a lot of very obvious fractures, like words like divorce or separation and things like that. Families are very divided, but sometimes underneath, when everything looks good, there can be this division. And in, in this story, that division, just it starts with being indirect and not, not talking to and not being loving and truthful to the person that you are talking about. Jesus has been direct. They're indirect. They go to his disciples, and what's the question they ask? Why does your teacher, your teacher, not ours, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? It's actually a really good question, right? Why does he do this? You, you know that they're bothered by it. They don't like that he's doing it. That's why they ask it. You could have someone who loves Jesus and they could ask the same question. You'd be like, oh, that's not a problem. Like, like someone who, let's say another tax collector is like, why? why is he hanging out with other sinners like me? And it's not like a negative. It's not like they're judging it. But the Pharisees, who are, the, Pharisee, the word Pharisee means to separate. It's like the word apartheid back in uh, South Africa meant to separate. Walls, they're really good at wall building and they're looking over the walls and they see Jesus hanging out with people that are outside the walls and they're like, why is he doing that? Is that like, are they complimenting him or judging him? <clears throat> pretty, fair, pretty fair guess, right, that they're judging him here. So they see the sin barrier or the sin wall, the class wall, the social wall. These people are below us. They don't deserve to be up here with us or in uh, the walls. They're outsiders. Why is he doing this? Verse 12. Now when Jesus heard this, when he heard this, he said, because it was indirect, right? When it got to him. It is not those who are well who need, who need a doctor. It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. See, when you dig a well, it's based on mercy. 
When you're demanding sacrifice, it's saying that you have to change, you have to do something, you have to earn, you have to behave your way into acceptance and love and belonging. And Jesus says, go and learn what mercy is. Because that's what a well is. That's what an inclusive community is. Why do I hang out with these people? Let's talk about that. So there's this moment, I just want to make sure we highlight this, um, where Jesus actually, he does not disagree with the problem. He doesn't hear what they say. Why is he hanging out with these tax collectors and sinners who have all these issues? He doesn't say, nah, they don't have issues. Nah, they're not tax collectors. Nah, they're not sinners. Jesus acknowledges, yeah, they're, they're sinners. They're sick. They're sick. He totally agrees with them. But his solution to the issue is entirely different. Where they see, ooh, we need, there's a, they, they are messed up. We got to create a wall that separates us and keeps us pure and healthy and holy and superior. Jesus sees people in need of a doctor. And so Jesus isn't, he doesn't want to treat the room. He doesn't want to treat the party like it's a funeral home where there's just dead people hanging out, spiritually dead people. He looks and says, ah, oh, there's sick people who need to become well. He treats it like a hospital not a funeral home. Where the Pharisees, you know, they could be, you could see them walking into the room with like some new Pharisees and they're like, let's go and observe these spiritually dead and sick, disgusting people. Look at that person. See their life. This is what's wrong with them. That's why they're dead. There's no hope. We don't spend time with them. And then there's this person or this family in this situation. And they're just like seeing all that. They, what they see is dead and, and, and no life. And Jesus sees life that can come to full life. Now, um, an inclusive family creates an unlikely family. I'm going to need some help for this. Hopefully this, you guys tell me if this is helpful or not. Uh, An unlikely family is from an inclusive family. How many of you guys know that Jesus collected unlikely people together? Like that should not have hung out together. I, wanna, I just want to make sure that we see this visually. So I'm going to need some help. Is anybody feeling like real good, like real righteous? Real loving? Like, did anybody like win an award today for anything? <laughs> We're picking on you big time. You, the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, give him a hand. All right. So what I'm going I'm to have you do, would you, would you walk up here and stand up here? You're the only one that will get to stand up here because you are going to represent Jesus today. Okay? So he's got a nice little beard. (laughs) He made some good ribs, so it is. There's a connection. Um, So we know Matthew is invited into the company, into the family of Jesus. He's included. So is there anybody that, you know, is good at counting, um, good at cheating people? No, I'm just kidding. Anybody that would be willing to represent uh, Matthew? We have a Matthew here? Right here, Hayden, come on down. That's great. Okay, so when Jesus was working with people, he had a way of connecting with their hearts. You're going to be holding a lot of rope today, just so you know. So go ahead and back up a little bit. And he would connect with their hearts. And he didn't like put a wall up or make them have to earn and sacrifice something and, and earn the right to belong and be loved. Is he would attach their heart and through love and truth, both that tension between love and truth, he would draw people toward him. But he, he called Matthew, right? He said, come follow me. So you stay right there, Hayden. I, I need someone else. I need, a, um, I need a Simon, Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot most likely was a freedom fighter. He, he hated the government and he probably um, fought guerrilla warfare. He's probably uh, tough, maybe probably a violent guy. Okay, perfect. This is great. This is good personality. All right, so um, 
here you go. Would you grab onto this? And would you move just a little bit over? And the reason I'm having you move a little bit over is because, um, by the way, um, Matthew, as a tax collector, collaborated with the Roman government that this guy, Simon, hated and fought. He saw him as the biggest traitor you could, that could be. All right, let's give you this. All right, there we go. All right, um, so we got that. Um, let's see here. We need a, um, I need uh, a Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, and just so you know, she was a wonderful woman. Um, she was possessed by seven demons. Um, seven demons. And some of you guys may have family members. You might be looking at, you're like, this is like my family. Don't say who has the demons. They were cast out of her. Jesus helped her. But do we have any, uh, did someone who'd be willing to be Mary Magdalene? Anybody? Oh, here we go. There we go. Come on up here. That's beautiful. Awesome. So uh, here we go. So we got a Mary Magdalene. Here's your robe. And let's have you hang out like kind of over here. All right. I need uh, just a few more. I think just two more here. I need, um, I need a Nicodemus. He's a religious Pharisee. I need someone who feels like really, really good about themselves and just a little bit better than others. Um, just so they have that kind of aura about them. Just really. Hey, Dan, would you come on up here? I just feel like this would be. Would you come on up here for a second? Um, We'll put you right here. Um, Nicodemus was a leader who was, he was a religious. He was part of the Pharisees, but he was so connected. He was afraid to be seen with Jesus, so he went and met with him at night. Um, so he, he was being drawn toward Jesus, but he was afraid for other people to know it. And then lastly, I'll have one other person, um, and I need, um, I need a leper. I need a leper. I'm not just socially. Perfect. Beautiful. Beautiful. That is awesome. That is really good. You don't really have a rash, do you? I just wanted to... Uh, <laughs> my brother-in-law, is, he never changes his razor. He also shaves his head. Some like new Bedlian thing. I'm like, dude, you're going to get a rash. You're going to be a family leper if you don't stop your ways. So, um, so here we have these people. I just want to make a few, few um, observations about an inclusive family that becomes an unlikely family that's, that's brought together. So the first thing is that there's, um, that transformation causes tension because inclusion causes tension. How many of you guys know that? Inclusion causes tension. How many of you guys know that grace, God's power and love causes tension? You guys know that? All right. Let's, let's go into why that is. Let's go into why that is. Okay, so Jesus, what I want you to do here is I want you to pull these ones toward you. Go ahead and pull the rope closer. Yeah, all of them at once. So as Jesus is doing his ministry, he's pulling people like, here's the one with demons. There's Simon who hates this guy. And you see what's happening. Okay, go ahead and stop for a second. What's happening as they're being loved by God and loving him in return? What's happening between them and God? They're getting closer, right? Peace is, is being made or has been made between them and God. Jesus is showing people a way forward through love, right? Now, <clears throat> what's happening as they're moving closer to him, what's also happening with this unlikely family? Could you pull them a little bit closer? I want to make sure they're rubbing some shoulders. Here. So they're getting real close. So um, we have these people, like, here's my friend Nicodemus, like, Think about who he's next to. This woman who spiritually had demons in her. The role of a Pharisee is to stay as far away from the demons as you can, right? And he can't do anything about it. Like, so this is a little awkward for him. 
And, and then he's next to a tax collector. What do you, what do, you do for a living? I'm a tax collector. Okay, same thing. Good. He's a, he's a, a CPA. Okay, same thing. So, like, no, I'm just going to, I'm just joking. <laughs> this is perfect. Um, so, like, Pharisee, does he want to hang out with, with this tax collector? But, like, as they're moving closer to Jesus, they're, it's getting, te- how many of you guys know inclusion creates tension? Now, transformation also does. Now, here's an important one. Simon, probably, I'm willing to bet, uh, well, let me come back to Simon. The, 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 lep, the leper, is, he is socially and religiously outcast. So he can't be around his family. He's lost his family. He's lost his worshiping community. He can't worship. Worship is at the center of the community. So he's lost everything. And when he's getting drawn towards Jesus and healed by Jesus, like transformation is happening. And like he can join the community again. And he can be around his family. And he can worship God again. I can't get too far ahead because transformation, the transforming family is next week. But I'll, I'll, I'll tease you guys a little bit with this. Now, Simon who hates the government and everything that the government stands for and is fought and fighting the government, is being drawn towards Jesus' way of life. And he sees Matthew, who works for that government, is, is cooperating with them and, lead, and cheating his people. He would probably rather hang out next to a leper than, than Matthew. Do you agree? Because transformation causes tension. Now, the, the Pharisee, who knows, maybe it was Nicodemus, I, I doubt it, but is Nicodemus' crew, the religious type, asked the question, why does your teacher, your teacher, hang out with these tax collectors and sinners? Like, why? And, and you can just, you know, see Matthew kind of being like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm right here, I can hear you. And when he says that, he's, he's asking this question like, why are you giving grace to him? And Matthew, I could see being like transformed because Jesus is basically saying, I came here for you, Matthew. I came here for these sinners. I came here to heal them. I came here for you and you. And God looks at every one of us and says, I have come here for you. And you can just see Matthew just being like transformed through it until he sees Simon being transformed. Well, I like to receive grace, God. But I don't know if this guy deserves your grace. Do you guys see the tension? When, when God gives grace, we have to give grace. We have to, like when grace is like being pulling, pulling our hearts and transforming us, and we're seeing other people, we like to receive it, don't we? We love belonging. We love acceptance. We love transformation. We love grace, God's power in life. But we see other people, all, this whole unlikely company, and they're having to learn, as grace is being given by God, they're having to learn to give grace to one another. Amen? Can you guys give these guys a hand? Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, now let's talk about our community. Let's talk about our community. Do we see tensions and walls being built? Walls are so easy to start building up. As we get closer, like we want to build those walls up, right? And in our day and age, do we have, do we have similar walls that come up? Like Matthew and Simon, like this political life wall that's between them or the religious leader and the and mary magdalene with the demons the spiritual religious wall and like these people are sinners and i don't want to get infected um do do we have do you see when people come together in a room like this that there could be tension i was talking with my sister after the first service and 
you know, that inclusion creates tension. She's like, man, we live in a world that just, it wants to believe that like, that if we're just tolerant of one another, if we just preach tolerance and inclusion, that there, no one will disagree. Is that true? Inclusion actually creates dis, like stronger disagreement because you're rubbing elbows with people and you're like, I don't agree with you. Religiously, in the class, so like why is this person, they're from a lower class or they're not wealthy enough to be around me. Or, you know, they're, they think they're too posh or people who think they're superior to this group of people. There's racial and ethnic boundaries and walls that get built up. There's a religious and spiritual and political and perspective and personality based. Like, I'm an extrovert and I'm an introvert. And like, I don't like the, I don't like the way you say that. I don't like the way you do that. And like, have you ever noticed this in your family? In your marriage? So why would it be any different in the family of God if Jesus came to gather all people, that there wouldn't be tension. But where there's tension, it means like that the work of the gospel is creating this powerful possibility for transformation. Amen? So can we be an unlikely community? Can we be an unlikely inclusive family? Let me ask you a few questions. You can give me a yes or a no or a groan. You can have three options here. Can huskies and cougars belong in our church together? It wasn't unanimous. That was an easy one. Oh, man, I'm a little worried about our church, John. Um, Can Seahawks and 49ers fans belong? (laughs) Okay, that's very clear, and I actually agree with that one, so we're going to strike this from the record. (laughs) Can, Can... Trekkie fans or Star Trek fans, if you're not a Trekkie, you just know it as Star Trek. Can Trekkie fans and Star Wars fans belong in the same church? Can you, can you like the Sith and um, Klingon? Yeah, Klingon. Can you like the, someone's like, you didn't say it right. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we can exist together. Can uh, cousins and siblings belong in the same church together? Can an introvert and an extrovert belong in our church together? Can, how about artists and engineers? Mm, enge- artists are like, totally, yes. <laughs> engineers are like, mm, I'm creating some walls specifically for you. Can wealthy and poor? Yeah. Can Democrats... And Republicans. Ken, do we believe that? In theory. In theory. In theory and theology, yes, I agree. But that's as far as I go. How about um, free will Wesleyan theologians? If you know this, you'll, you'll understand. Free will Wesleyan or determinist Calvinists belong in the same church together. The free will lesson is like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to belong. The, the Calvinist says, well, it's already been chosen, so. <laughs> Can military men and women belong with pacifist men and women in the same church? Can people you strongly disagree with belong in the same church? And even people who have hurt or maybe have potential hurt feelings or can we belong in the same church? Now, I'm not saying that we don't have boundaries. 
for unhealth and toxicity. Like we have boundaries for our children's area, like you have to have a background check. That's a boundary for health. Boundaries are for health. Walls are for exclusion and containment. Do you see the difference? Um, And I think that's important. Did Jesus ever agree with or promote the sins of Matthew and the tax collectors and the prostitutes? So you're like, oh, I'm totally great with this. Keep, keep doing it. No. Was, did he agree with the sin of exclusion and superiority with the Pharisees? No. So he, he actually didn't promote or agree with, never did. But, he, but he, he was able to at the same time exist in love and include and, and, and bring people forward. Isn't that incredible? So do you, you understand like an inclusive family is a family that has tension. Do you always agree with one another in a, in a community like this? No, but you agree on the most important things are most important and you agree on the secondary and third things as just that. Can I get an amen? We want to be the family, inclusive family of God. You can belong before you believe. You can, um, you can be accepted before there's change. That doesn't mean we don't have change that happens. We want to see transformation. So here... Um, Here's a question I think that's really important. What does an inclusive family do? Because we've seen what an inclusive family looks like. Kind of looks like us. I think even more diversity, even more inclusion of people who think and act and do differently than us. But what does an inclusive family do to be inclusive? How does Jesus teach us to dig wells and not build walls? How to help people belong? Well, here's a few note takers. Get those notes out. You guys ready? I want to give you guys these notes. Here we are. God's inclusive family is centered on Jesus. We're learning to look and act and become like Jesus. We're learning to become love like him. Do you you agree? God's inclusive family treats outsiders like insiders. How did Jesus turn outsiders into insiders? Like Matthew or the leper or the Mary Magdalene. He treated them like insiders. He brought them in. He talked to them. He cared for them. And he treated them as if they were on the inside. He treated them as a future family member. He treated them as a a future family member. God's inclusive family allows people to explore their faith only when I want them to. No, I'm just kidding. Whoa, nobody laughed at that. Maybe that's... We'll have to address that next week. God's inclusive family allows people to explore faith at their own pace. Do we we believe that? Do we believe that there's people here that might not believe what you believe or know God or might be from a different faith, different philosophy? It's okay to be here. Absolutely. We're we're moving toward Jesus. He's our center. We're moving. But Jesus had this company of unlikely people and some of them didn't even believe at the time. They were on a journey. Transformation happens with grace and time. God's inclusive family is messy. You guys agree? Is it super clean and easy and neat? God's inclusive family is messy. The Pharisees were looking at this party with all these sinners. They weren't wrong. It wasn't like their lives weren't messy. They're like, these people are crazy and they're messy. And she's like, yep, yep, yep. And that's why I came. And I also like parties. God's inclusive family is built on both truth and love. Both truth and love. Not one without the other. Jesus held that tension amazingly. God's inclusive family trust that the Holy Spirit convicts hearts, 
not me. I'm not the Holy Spirit to convict other people's hearts. I can live a way of truth and love, but ultimately believe who changes the human heart. Does George, does a program, do you? No, God does. His Spirit convicts and changes us. God's inclusive family is a servant family, not a superior family. That's so important. We are a community that serves people, even people we disagree with, even people who would um, see themselves as an enemy of you or, or, or the, our family or whatever. We're a servant family, not a superior family. Now, we don't say, at least I'm not like this person. At least I'm not like that. And that, that way I'm superior. The cross of Jesus just destroys superiority because the cross of Jesus wasn't about Jesus becoming superior. It was about him serving the world. God's inclusive family looks like an unlikely family with all the tensions and differences and even disagreements. God's inclusive family breaks bread together. And this is what I want to finish on. We break bread together. We do life together. And we find ways of finding commonality. And you don't always like everybody that you love. And just like Matthew and Simon, there might have been seasons where like they needed to sit separate from each other before they could move closer. That's, you know, that's, this is all a journey. Do you guys see what I'm saying? This is so important for a vision of a community of God, the family of God. And, and I, I just want to, I want to close with communion today. And this is an invitation to join the inclusive family of God. And this is an invitation to build the inclusive family of God. This summer, we really want to focus on relationships and rest. We want to focus on being and building this family together. And it starts with tearing down the walls and committing to digging wells. It starts with belonging and acceptance, accepting yourself, moving closer to Jesus, and being willing, committing to like, we're going to work through the tensions. And I agree that we can have a church where we have a church of opposites and contrasts that are being drawn to Jesus together. Amen? Why does your teacher, they say, why does Jesus hang with the, the <clears throat> demon-possessed woman, the religious, the tax collector, the leper, the zealot, the sinner? Why does he do this? It's because he was sent to create and build the family of God, this inclusive family. And the other reason is because it was in his blood. As we go to communion, I just want you guys to know when Jesus uh, was born, he was born into a family. In the beginning of Matthew, there's actually a list of his genealogy. It's super boring. I won't, I won't give you the details. It's like if you looked at the graveyard of Jesus' family, he had all these family members. And, and there's a few family members that stick out in his, in his genealogy. So it starts off like this. From Abraham to David, and from Abraham, he fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. goes on. And then in verse 3, it says, Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by this gal named Tamar. That's weird. They don't normally mention a female like this. Huh. And then if you skip forward to verse 5, it says, Salmon, which is a great name in the Northwest, Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Rahab was known as a prostitute, not someone you want mentioned in your family line. Uh, and she wasn't Jewish. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Again, like, why are they mentioning these women when it's usually males? And, like, they're not winners. They're not people that you'd, like, typically want association with. And then in verse 6, it says, Jesse's father, King David, David fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife. That was, that was like this horrible adultery that happened, and David sinned. And so they're bringing up this sin part of Jesus' like family. Well, why, is it, why are they bringing this up? The reason, I think, is that Jesus 
came from an unlikely family. So of course he would be creating an unlikely family. It was in his blood. It ran in his veins and through his heart. Like this mixed, motley crew, ethnic, weird family of his. And it was amazing. Like Tamar, she was known as a sinner. Rahab were known as a sinner. They were both Canaanites. They weren't Jewish. Ruth was a Moabite. She's not Jewish. She's an outsider. Bathsheba was most likely a Hittite, which meant hypocrite back in those days. No, I'm just kidding. Um, they, they, she wasn't Jewish. Jesus was mixed racial savior of the world. International foreign blood coursed through his veins. He was part of an unlikely family heritage of outsiders and foreigners. And this fact destroys the wall of racism. The ethnic wall of hatred destroys it. Jesus' family was a mixed background. Now listen to this, and you can write it down if you want. Jesus didn't just get his blood from the whole world. He lived and he died on the cross to give his blood for the whole world. Like that's the God we serve. Ephesians 2 says, you were without Christ, excluded from citizenship with Israel. You're foreigners to the covenants in the Old Testament and the promises without hope and without God in the world. We didn't have God. But it says in verse 13, now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ because it was in his blood to create the inclusive family of God. For he is our peace who made both groups, both separations where there were walls. It says he tore down the dividing wall of hostility. So when we practice communion and drink the wine and eat the bread that represents his blood and his body, we are joining and building the family of inclusion. Amen? So in this next song, would you come forward? And as a, as a step of faith saying, I'm joining the family, I'm receiving forgiveness that's in Jesus' blood and the inclusion that's in his blood. Or maybe you've been a Christian forever and a long time in this summer and this life that you've been given. Commit, say yes as you eat the bread and the wine. Commit to building an inclusive family with truth and love. Let's do that now. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you. We ask that we would be a community of inclusion, a community that doesn't exchange truth for love or love for truth. We, we hold them both in tension. That even though we don't always agree with everybody, we can agree that you love everybody and that you have grace and that we can give grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.